want you to get your Bible. We're going to be looking today at a story in Acts. Interesting story. Acts chapter 28. I would like to tell you that my message is along the theme of what we've been talking about this morning and stick with this theme of joy. But I'm not going to talk about Christmas at all other than to say I'm thankful that it's coming. All the children are thankful that it's coming. I'm thankful for what it means. I'm thankful for the season. I'm thankful for Jesus. But I just didn't feel led in the direction of that. I felt led to stick with the direction that we've been going the last several weeks because I feel like that the Holy Spirit has been ministering and digging down in our hearts and and he's been doing some really special things. And so, um, how many of you were here last Sunday morning? If you were here, wave at me. I won't ask you if you remember what the message was because you probably don't. But you would remember principles and portions of that, especially if this past week, if you're, if you have found yourself in the circumstances of that message. We talked last week, though, about how that if you are a true, victorious believer in Jesus, that... All, not just Christians, but that the world will be able to tell that you have that true salvation experience because that experience will be clear. It will be noticeable and it will be pure. It'll make you different from the rest of the world. How many of you remember we talked about that? It's going to cause you to be different than other people. You know, what happens though when you make that kind of a commitment and you start putting feet together and you start walking that lifestyle, you start walking down that road of purity and holiness and and godliness and you are drawing closer and closer to the Lord all the time, there's a strange thing that begins to happen. You would say, oh, I bet it's where that you feel really good and you shout all the time and you just are having extreme joy. No, there's there's something that happens uh, that will that will cause you to know that you're getting close to God. It is not a euphoric victorious feeling that does that that's what happens every once in a while the lord lets you feel that it's a joyful experience that that you feel in in a in a particular circumstance or situation but when you start walking constantly when you begin to walk in the presence and the spirit of god when you begin to walk close to him something will happen to you that is not a victorious feeling and that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about Holy Ghost heat. Holy Ghost heat. And what Holy Ghost heat will do. Holy Ghost heat will do at least two things. And those are the two we're going to talk about today. Holy Ghost heat will cause the enemy to respond to you. But Holy Ghost heat will also do something for you to combat what the enemy is going to do. Because that feeling I talked about that comes to people who walk close to God. It's a feeling of being attacked. The closer that you get to Jesus, the harder life seems to be. Has anybody noticed that? Instead of just feeling like you're on the top of a mountain and just shouting and running and dancing all the time, instead of that, you feel just this onslaught of the enemy. Seems like the closer you get to God, 
the harder life gets. Anybody relate so far? Anybody? Pastor, I don't understand it. When I wander off from the Lord, when I just live like I want to, seems like things go better than when I'm really walking close to God. Causes me to not want to be that close to Jesus because it's not nearly as much fun. It is a natural occurrence, and I'm about to show you why scripturally today, why that the closer you get to Jesus, sometimes the more difficult life becomes. Acts chapter 28 tells a story. But it tells us, and what we'll discover today, is that when the enemy turns up the heat on you, you have the right and the ability to turn up the Holy Ghost heat on him. You are going to face battles, and you are going to face stress, and you are going to face hardships, because those are necessary. You don't have a testimony to tell. You don't have a victory to share if you never win a fight. So the closer you get to the Lord, you experience these battles. And those battles are not meant to break you. They are meant to cause you to press in even closer. So that every time that you gain another victory, you add that to your arsenal of faith. And it has it's something else that you fall upon that causes you to get through the next one easier. And causes other people to, to have to acknowledge something special about your life. When you walk close to the Lord, you're going to face battles. Because God knows now you're in a position that you want to grow. That you want to learn. That you want to get better. So he allows you to go into battles that only he can win. But that you have to go through with him until the win. Therefore, the closer you get to God, the harder life sometimes seems to get. Because God is doing something special in you. He's refining you. He's purifying you. He's, he's making you into something that is much more, much stronger. I saw uh, something recently, and some of you have probably seen the same thing. But I, I never realized this. But did you know that, that um, I, I saw an interview of an astronaut who was the the pilot, he didn't go on Apollo 13 because he had the measles, but he was here on the ground, and he was the, the backup pilot, and he's the one that they called in, and he spent a lot of time in the simulator helping figure out how to get those guys home. Some of y'all were around when that happened. That was back in 1970, and I remember watching it in first grade as a little kid watching on TV in first grade and how we were all praying. One of the things that I learned about that was that the floor of that module that those guys were in was made out of mylar. And mylar is basically three sheets of tin foil. That when it is spread out, you could walk up and you can push it and it'd be like, it'd be like pushing in on the, the side of an aluminum can after you drink the drink out of it that is opened. You know how flimsy that is when you push your finger against it? It just kind of bends in. Mylar, under no pressure, feels like that. It Basically, these guys were up in space sitting on three sheets of tinfoil. And the only reason that they didn't fall through it is because mylar, under pressure, becomes very, very strong. the same thing that happens in our lives. We may seem soft. We may not seem like we're much, but under pressure, 
we can become very, very strong because of the Holy Spirit that operates in our lives. Our text today comes from one of those perilous times in Paul's life. Constantly, if you read the story in the life of Paul, you find out he was he was in a battle all the time. He, he was being beaten, he was abused, he was threatened, he was lied about, he was in prison, he was even stoned. All because of his witness. And it just drove him closer and closer to God. Acts chapter 28 tells a story about Paul being on a boat in the winter at a time that he had advised against a trip, but nobody wanted to listen to him because he was merely a prisoner on the boat. He advised against this trip, but against his advice, those who knew better set sail. Now here they are in the middle of a terrible storm. God gives Paul a word and says, hey, nobody's going to die. Tell everybody to grab on to a piece of the ship. You are going to wreck, but everybody grab on to something. Swim if you can. Hold on to something, but everybody's going to make it. And so I'm kind of boiling this down for you so I don't have to read it all to you, but there's the storm, then there's the shipwreck. Then there is the swim to the shore. Or for those who can't swim, those who are hanging on to portions and pieces that floated to land. Once they get onto the land, they notice that the natives have already begun to gather, having seen what was going on at sea. And seeing these people now coming in, they felt sorry for them. And they have built a fire so that these people coming in in wintertime, cold and wet, will be able to come right out of the water and approach this fire and begin to warm up. Paul, now who has crawled up onto the bank, senses the necessity of becoming part of, of, this, of, of, of the helping crew. And he goes around and he begins to gather up sticks. The Bible says that he gathered up a bundle of sticks together and he carried them over to this fire. And before he could release them into the fire, the heat of the fire ignited the passion of a snake that was in the bundle of sticks and it bites Paul. It's a venomous reptile. And all the people who live on this island that are there at this fire recognize immediately the seriousness of this situation. So they begin to chatter among themselves. They know it's a poisonous viper and they know that he only has minutes to live. They said things like this. Surely this man is a criminal. He survived the storm. He survived the shipwreck. He survived the swim. But justice will not allow him to live. After all he's been through, now he thought he was in safety, but he's going to be bitten and die right here in front of us. This must be a bad guy. A lot of times that's what people say about you when you're being bit by a snake. What is this heat that has caused this snake to come out? You say, well, it's just a fire. Well, yes, it is just a fire, but spiritually it's more. It's a Holy Ghost fire. And Holy Ghost fire is always hotter than any of the fire that the enemy can start. It's more powerful than any of the poison that Satan can muster up to hurt us. 
I'm going to take a few minutes this morning to encourage some of you that are, that are in the middle of the battle because it's not that you've wandered from the Lord, it's because you're so close to the Lord. And I'm going to show you, first of all, what Holy Ghost heat will cause the enemy to do. But then I want to show you what Holy Ghost heat will do for you, those of you that are the victorious believers that are walking closer to God. Let's start with what it does to the enemy. Get your pen, your paper, flip it over, write this down. Holy Ghost heat, as it affects the enemy, will do this. Holy Ghost heat in your life will, number one, force snakes out of their hiding. There in verse 3. We're just going to walk right down through this chapter 28 and look at these verses. We're going to point out to you which each of these points are and where they come from. Holy Ghost heat will force the snakes out of their hiding. They can't stay concealed when the heat of God gets turned up high on them, can they? And most of the time, you don't even know where the snake's hiding until you get close to Jesus. And the heat gets too hot for the snake to stay still. Holy Ghost heat will bring out the snakes. Secondly, verse 3 says that Holy Ghost heat will cause snakes to bite. The heat makes this snake so uncomfortable and so angry that it must strike and it strikes at anything that's close. This heat infuriates the snake and so it makes it do what comes naturally, strike out and you will feel the bite. Anybody's attention so far? Huh? Wave at me. You still awake? The third thing that this will do, will it, it will motivate the snake to hold on. Look at verse 3. Because now that the snake has been discovered, it's angry. And it's not enough to simply bite, but it's hanging on in an attempt to inflict as much poison and damage as it possibly can because that's what snakes do. That's why you keep praying and the snake won't turn loose and you keep trying to get rid of this snake and you can't understand why it don't turn loose. And all of this, keep in mind, happened because you've gotten close to Jesus, not because you've wandered away from him. So at this point, how I would like to just do a quick survey and ask, how many people in this room have I gotten your attention yet with this passage of Scripture? It would say, you know what? I think I have an idea now about what might have been going on in my life. I've been walking closer and closer to Jesus, but the closer I get to Him, the harder things seem to be. And I, and I think I can relate because it feels like I've got a snake just hanging off my hand, just inflicting pain and damage, and it won't quit. How many? Don't despair. Hang on because it gets better. It's not the end. This is just the beginning. God is getting ready to turn up a heat on this snake like never before. Keep looking at the story. I want you to recognize something about Paul. He hasn't, his response is not that he's gotten mad. He hadn't cussed God. He hadn't quit the church. He hadn't give up to die. Something else is happening here. Get the picture of Paul standing next to a fire with the venomous reptile hanging off of his hand. And picture this is you. It's biting, it's hurting, it's inflicting poison, things are getting ugly, it won't go away. 
Don't despair. I want you to see now what God's going to do now that Paul can't do anything else. Paul's done all he could do. People are standing around him, watching him, waiting for him to die. You ever felt like that's what was going on? Folks that saw you standing there being bitten, they're just standing there looking at you saying, well, you know, half of them say he had it coming. And the other half said, I never liked him anyway. Sometimes that's how you get the feeling when you're being snake bit. Huh? God, how much longer is this going to go on? I want to break this down a little bit more now, starting in verse 5, because I want to show you the second part of what the Holy Ghost heat will do. We see how Holy Ghost heat will will cause the enemy to to respond, but I want you to see the good news. I want you to see what Holy Ghost heat will do for the believer who's walking victoriously with Jesus. Starting in verse 5, the Scripture says that Holy Ghost heat, number one, will keep you protected. How's that going to happen, Pastor? I'm already being snake bitten. He's already bit me. The Bible says that Paul shook the snake into the fire and wasn't harmed. Harmed. Well, yeah, he was. He's hurt. He's hurt, but he's not harmed. You can be hurt and not harmed. I've been hurt lots of times. I can heal from hurt, but it does not destroy me. Why? Because Satan can't destroy me no matter how hard he bites, how many times, how much he inflicts, no matter what he tries to do. He can hurt me from time to time, but he can't harm me. The word says that God has reserved a special place for the enemy, the devil. He says that his face is under my feet. But he said, here's what's going to happen. Adam, because of your sin, you and that snake aren't going to get along. But here's what's going to happen. He's going to bruise your heel. That hurts. But you're going to crush his skull. That's better. A bruised heel over a crushed skull, I will take. It hurts, pastor, but you're not being harmed. This might be hurting you, but it's not harming you. This is not a permanent thing. It's not going to last. It's not going to be the end. It's not going to destroy you. This hurting is going to result in a crushing. It was Christmas Eve, 1875. Very few of you were here when this happened. There might be a few that could recall the story that I'm about to tell. You may not remember the incidents, but you probably remember the names I'm about to call out. D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey. D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist in, in in the 1800s. Ira Sankey was his song leader because up until about 30 years ago, we didn't have praise and worship pastors. We had song leaders. And Ira Sankey wrote many of the hymns that they sang at D.L. Moody's revivals. And because in that day, it was, there wasn't TV, there wasn't radio, there, was, there wasn't all the, the forms of social media that we have today, there were newspapers, and that was basically it. And 
pictures would be drawn and sometimes a camera might be found to take a, 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 a photo of an individual. And because these fellas were... D.L. Moody was basically a celebrity all around the country because he was a famous evangelist and that was a form of entertainment back in that time. People would come out to camp meetings revivals because they didn't go home to watch TV. You worked all day and then you went to a camp meeting because that was better than going home. So these guys would travel all over the United States and wherever they would go, their pictures would be in a newspaper. It made them somewhat of celebrities. So on Christmas Eve, 1875, Ira Sankey, the worship leader for the camp meetings, is on a steamboat crossing the Delaware River. And he's recognized by some of the passengers. And they asked him if he'd be so kind as to sing them one of his hymns. And he declined and said, rather, I'm going to sing a hymn, but it's not going to be my own. I'm going to sing one that was written by William B. Bradbury, and it is called Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. One of the stanzas is this. We are thine. Do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. When he finished singing, there was a man that had been standing in the back in the shadows, and he stepped up and he said to Ira Sankey, did you ever serve in the Union Army? And he said, yeah, I started serving in the Army back in the spring of 1860. And he says, I don't know if you'd remember this or not, but he said, do you happen to recall a very moonlit night in 1862, bright night, that you would have been doing picket duty? And Sankey said, yes, I, 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 uh, I do remember that. And he was very surprised by the question. He said, I was serving. The other guy said, well, at that time, I was serving in the Confederate Army. And he said, I saw you standing at your post that night, and I was hiding in the darkness in the shadows. And I said to myself, that fellow is not going to get away from me alive. I raised my musket and I took aim. He said, I was completely concealed, but the full light of the moon was falling upon you. And at that instant... Just as a moment ago, just as I was about to shoot you, you raised your eyes to heaven and you began to sing. Let And he said, the song that you began to sing, I said to myself, I'm going to let him go ahead and sing it because I'm going to shoot him after he sings it. He's going to be my victim anyway and I can't miss. But he said, you begin to sing the song that you were just singing just now. And I heard the words perfectly. We are thine. Do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. And he said, those words begin to stir up memories in my soul. Because I thought when I was a little child, and I remember my mama, God-fearing mama, she used to sing that song to me. And she said, when you finished singing that song, it was impossible for me to take aim again. He said, my arm just fell limp at my side, and I could not shoot my gun. You may be in the middle of it right now, folks. You may be feeling the burn of the bite, but hang on because the Holy Ghost heat will continue to protect you over and over again. And every time the snake tries to kill you, God is going to show his power one more time. Stories someday may be told. Someone may come to you and say, do you remember when? We don't have any way of knowing. Sometimes we're in the crosshairs. Sometimes we're in the sniper's line of fire. The enemy, he's always looking to take us out. He always wants to destroy you. 
He's not smart enough to stop biting you. He will hurt you from time to time, but he can't harm you. Because Holy Ghost heat will keep you protected. I want you to look at this. Verse 6, number 2. Holy Ghost heat will pose a great witness. Acts 28, 6. The people are waiting for him to swell up and die. They said they thought he was going to suddenly drop dead. But after they had waited a long time, they saw nothing unusual happen to him. So they changed their minds. There's a fellow named Howard Hendricks who made a statement years ago. He said, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. You could take that a couple of ways, but one of the ways I took that in a positive way is this. Sometimes we just don't know what to say. Sometimes for believers, it's not that we don't want to say that. And we, a lot of times we find ourselves saying to ourselves later on, man, I wish I'd have thought of this then. Wish I'd have said that, but I didn't. I didn't think about it. So many times we don't say anything. We wish we would have, but we don't. But I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes that's okay for this reason. Sometimes a living witness is more effective than words anyway. And when people watch you shake off snakes into the fire and you just keep on walking, whether you say anything or not, they go, wow. Wow. Did you see that? Who can deny your persistence and your witness when they watch you survive these spiritual snake bites over and over and you just keep on being victorious? I don't know if I've ever told you the story or not. I wasn't even going to. It's not in my notes. But I'm going to tell you a story about many years ago, I was the director of a team for the whole section in the Fort Smith area. They wanted to do a crusade in this little town and... And they, they, they got me to rally up several different uh, churches, youth groups, and, and I took them down to this area, and we canvassed this place. It was a really rough area. They had told us to be very careful because the, uh, the, the neighborhoods, they said, you know, make sure with these youth that you keep your, hand, or keep your eyes on them and keep them close where you can see them. A lot of crack houses, a lot of uh, prostitution, a lot of these kind of things. They said, keep an eye on these kids. Don't let anybody get hurt. And so I specifically picked out the roughest parts of town for myself because I didn't want to send anybody in there, men, women, or kids, or anybody that I thought might be dangerous. And I com- com- remember this vividly of going into this one little neighborhood and seeing some fellas sitting out there in the middle of the day And knowing what it was, I knew what kind of a place it was, but we were having a crusade that night, and it was my lot to get to invite those individuals to come out that night to this church and in hopes we'd bathe it in prayer in hopes that revival would spring forth and these people would be saved. And I walked up to to these fellows because I was going door to door, and it was just on my route. And I never forget, not my first time to come to town. I've been to a couple of county fairs and two or three goat ropings. Even by then, you know, I wasn't always the pastor. A lot of times I was the pester. Had been the pester for a long time before I was the pastor. And so when I approached them, I knew the, by the way they were kind of hitting each other and grinning that they had something up their sleeve. I walked up and I said, how are you fellas doing? They said, we're all right. They kind of looked me over like, what you want? 
And I explained to them who I was, what I was doing, the church I represented, what we had going on. One of them said, can I bring Big Bertha with me tonight? I said, we're going on a date tonight. Can I bring her? I said, I don't care. You can bring her and Mama and everybody else. They're trying to joke with me. They're playing around. They're sizing me up. Finally, one of them says, are you thirsty? No. Bubba run around back and get him something to drink. I don't need a drink. Oh, yeah. You have a drink. And pretty soon he shows up with something and he hands it to me. And I remembered what the scripture had said. You can eat any deadly thing or drink any deadly thing. And I knew that they were sizing me up for one or two reasons. Either they were seeing if I was going to join in and be somebody they could trust. Or they were going to try to kill me one or the other. And they said, you know, you got to be thirsty as hot as it is out here. It ain't nothing but water. Ain't nothing but water. So I drank it. Hand it back to them. Told them thanks. I said, I'll see you guys tonight. Yeah, 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 we'll see you tonight. And I started walking down the sidewalk. And it wasn't alcohol. I don't know what it was. But it wasn't alcohol. And I noticed as I started to walk, I started to kind of feel funny. And I kind of started to feel dizzy. And all of a sudden, I noticed a little kid riding his bicycle right beside me. He was riding with me, but his eyes were like silver dollars. He was looking at me like they looked at Paul. Just riding alongside of me, looking at me. And I thought, he's waiting for me to fall down. And I looked back, and the guys at the, at the porch are leaned out. And this little boy's just riding along. And the farther I go, the dizzier I'm getting. I'm about to black out. I said, they poisoned me. They've got, these guys have poisoned me. I remember we had mapped it out so that vans would be crisscrossing the neighborhoods. And I thought if I could just stay conscious long enough, one of those vans will cross and I'll wave them down. And sure enough, one of them passed and I waved him down and Staggered up, got in the van, a little kid rode his bike, he rode off, and he's just kind of going, you know, he's like. I remember when I got up on that van, this look of surprise that was on everybody's face from where I had come. And the little boy's riding back in their direction, he's kind of like. <laughs> Usually works. I got on the van and they said. Man, what's wrong with you? I, I said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not in, really in a position. to. I don't know. But uh, they said, you're, you said, you jacked up bad. I said, yeah, I, I don't feel right. We going to the hospital? No, no, no. Just, I think I'll be all right. Hang on a minute. Somebody give me some Mountain Dew. Is that to fix a lot of things? Pull over at the store and get me a Mountain Dew, Don Prem. I'll never forget that, though, because everybody that was in that van that was with me knew they visibly saw what had happened. And I never did go because it took me a while. I mean, I'm telling you, I laid in that van. I was in that van for a while. 
And finally, it, I mean, it was weird. But after a while, I started coming back around and I, it cleared back up. And it, after a while, I was okay. But I have always thought since then that they, that they probably were trying to poison me to see whether I would live or die. <laughs> and it reminded me of this story when I was reading it just now. I hadn't even thought about it. It wasn't even in the notes, like I said, but it reminded me of the story because it is a perfect illustration of what Paul was going through. What a great witness it was for Paul whenever he shook the snake into the fire and just stayed alive. Never seen anybody do that before. All the people that lived there weren't used to this. Every time that the snake bites you and you come through it, you just become a hero one more time and your witness gets that much more powerful. Doesn't cause you to want to run out and get snake bit, does it? But it's an encouragement for you to know that when it happens, it's going to be okay. And number three, verses 7 through 9 said that it opened new doors of ministry. Look at chapter 28, verse 7. There's a man there who's the governor of the island. Of the island. He has property all around the area. He welcomed them in. He treated them kindly. And for three days, they were his guests. Well, his father happened to get sick and he was suffering from fever and dysentery. And Paul went to him and he prayed and he laid hands on him. And the guy got well. And after that happened, other sick people on the island started going to Paul and they were made well. Now, isn't that awesome? I, I think I just I look at that and I say, wow. Why do you say, wow, pastor? For this reason, a snake that intended to kill Paul has suddenly made him the most sought out person on the whole island. You know where I'm going, don't you? Some of y'all are way smarter than I am. This just didn't turn out like the devil planned. Don't decide that this is going to be your end because God will use the snakes to open new doors and more doors than ever before. You got to get bit in order to open a new door every once in a while. And what the enemy meant for destruction is going to be something that God is going to use to open a lot more doors than could have ever been opened before you got bit. I'm speaking to somebody, not me, but the Holy Ghost. Number four, we're about to wrap it up. Holy Ghost heat will provide you with all you need to go on. Look at verse 10. He said, they showed respect for us in many ways. And when we go into set sail, they put everything we needed on board. I love this. That the snake is, is always so disappointed and so dismayed and defeated when he bites that victorious believer. Because biting us just doesn't work out for him at all. Because we keep on winning. Somebody say amen. So these folks that are waiting for Paul to die because they thought he was a criminal... Now they're showing up. These same people are showing up, giving the crew whatever they need in order to go to the next place that God is leading. Isn't that awesome? People stand around waiting for you to die. Someday God may use them to get you where you need to go. People talk bad about you. People that made fun of you. People that have abused you. And now, and now God may you. Let me tell you something. Everything belongs to God and he can provide it for you however you need it in order to do what God has called you to do. And a lot of times you think it's going to come through the church and it's going to come through other believers. And a lot of times it does. But God can take from the enemy 
and give to you to get you where you need to go. People that don't like you, people that talk bad about you, people that don't want you to succeed, God can take their stuff. Just ask Israel and the Egyptians. He can take their stuff and put it in your hands because it's his anyway. He could put it wherever he wants to put it. Missionary Hudson Taylor had complete trust in God's faithfulness. He wrote in his journal, listen, I quote, he said, our heavenly father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained 3 million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he's going to send 3 million missionaries to China. But if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it, he said. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That's just the way it is. God can use the devil or God can use the people, but he'll provide for you to do his work no matter what. Don't let this snake bite discourage you. Holy Ghost heat is what did this, and Holy Ghost heat is what's going to finish this. Don't back up when snakes start coming out of fire and they start biting. Just draw closer and closer to God because closer is better. Closer, listen to this statement, closer will bring out the worst in the snake, but it'll bring out the best in our God. Closer, not farther away. Is the Lord talking to you today? How many people in this room is, would, would lift their hand and just say, Pastor, you know what? I feel like the snake has got me. I feel like the snake is just hanging on to my hand right now. I'm just ready to shake the snake off into the fire. Huh? I am ready to just get rid of this thing. I feel like this is a word for the church that's much more pertinent than I could have came and told you about Luke. I would have loved to came and told you about the, the story in Luke about how the baby was born in the manger. I could have done that. And that would have been an awesome, wonderful story. You've heard it before. But I feel like today, today is where we are. Today is where we're living. And just because it's Christmas time doesn't mean the snake don't bite. Sometimes he's biting harder right now than he will after the first of the year. Somebody say amen. He just don't get it. How I would love for you, though, to get that picture in your head of what is real. What is real is this. He will bruise your heel. You will crush his skull. I want you to picture him under your foot. Just grinding his old nappy head right into the concrete. Just grinding it into like dust. That's what I want you to picture. I don't want you to feel sorry for yourself. I don't want you to see yourself as that wet and weak and white, pale little person that just crawled out of the water with a snake hanging off their hand, shaking and trembling and waiting to die because that's where some of you feel like you are right now. Today is a day of boldness. Today is a day of encouragement. Today is a day to recognize who you are in Jesus as a victorious believer because of what we've been saying in the last several weeks. This is just what was going to happen. Just naturally was going to happen. You said, I'm going to get closer to Jesus. The devil said, then I'm going to bite. That Holy Ghost heat makes me mad. I'm going to bite. He's going to bite, but you're going to win. I want you to stand, if you would, to your feet.
we're going to open these altars up to people who this word is for today. Specifically what for, Pastor? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What would I be coming to the altar for? I think maybe, I think maybe that you would be coming down here to acknowledge the word and to throw that snake in the fire. Maybe today's the day you get to throw the snake in the fire. I don't know. But we're going to open up this altar and I'm gonna, I want people to come. And I want, if this is you, this is your word. This is your word today. I want you to come and I want you to kneel at these altars. Or I want you to stand around these, these, these areas or, or walk or wherever. You know how we do. We turn this into a sanctuary of prayer. You just go wherever you want. But we're going to use this, this final song to have this opportunity for you to just seek the Lord. For some of you, the snake bite comes in the form of, 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 of illness. The snake is trying to bite you to kill you and you need healing. For some of you, he's, he's trying to take you out. He's trying to destroy your ministry. He's bitten you because he wants to destroy your ministry. He wants to take from you the thought that you could ever have a future because of what you've been through. He wants you to be defeated. He wants to say to you because of what you've gone through, what you're going through right now, you can never be effective in your calling. And he wants to remind you of that. He wants you to, to forget. He's hoping that you'll forget about the, the calling, that you'll just let the calling go because you think, oh, I've been snake bit. I'm not worthy anymore. I've been snake bit. God is telling you today, you need to shake that snake into the fire. Shake it off into the fire. For some of you, it's financial. We've been paying our tithes, Pastor. We've been doing everything we know to do. We're still just struggling. It's causing stress in our home. It's causing stress around our kitchen table. We're looking at one another now. We're having arguments and fights like we used to not have. I don't like it. Hey, the enemy's trying to bite your finances. But if you're being faithful, if you're paying your tithes, if you're being faithful and you're serving the Lord, he, he can hurt you, but he can't harm you. You need to hang on to that. No matter what it is that's going on, this won't last. You're just getting bit for a season, but you're going to come through victorious. And every time you come through, you're stronger, you're stronger, you're stronger and stronger. Who else? Who else? Who's coming? Come on down now. Who's coming to say, I'm being bitten by the snake, but I'm going to win. I'm tired of the snake. I'm going to win. I've got my mind made up that I'm going to, I'm throwing that snake in the fire and I'm going to win. Come on. Come on down here. Come on down here. Come down here to the front. Come down and come on down here. Come down and take your place. Healings are going to take place here this morning. Restoration is going to take place here this morning. Miracles are taking place here. Holy Ghost heat is being released into your life over and over again. Holy Ghost heat being released right now. God, dump that down on us, I pray. Just begin to pour out that Holy Spirit heat on us again. Who else is coming? Who else is coming? Come on. Whatever you have need of. You've been, being, you've been walking close to God and being bit by the snake. Tired of it. Come on. Come on. Oh, it's too late for me, Pastor. Snake bit me and I'm way beyond healing. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not beyond healing.
These guys are going to lead us, and I want you now just to just to lift your hands and surrender your life and your heart to God. Tell Him it's okay to tell God that you're hurt. It's okay to tell Him, even if you've been angry, if you've been confused, however you have felt, it, that doesn't surprise God. That doesn't scare God. It's okay for you to be really honest and tell Him how you felt, but then acknowledge His Word and let His faith begin to fill your heart. Let His joy begin to fill your spirit again. Come on, all over this room, we're praying, we're seeking God. God, let there be victory released again in this place today.